0: Hi, James. Ben, how are you? I'm good. Welcome back to Spotify. Uh, (laughs) Welcome back to Spotify to you too. I I have a sense this might be a podcast about podcasts. Well, we already did a podcast about podcasts. We're going to need
1: a new name. But Mm. it was was funny. I sort of opened my article this week, and I'm like, look, I'm going to be honest. I'm not giving you a fancy introduction. This is a straight-up follow-up article that I feel compelled Mm. to write. Because one, I wrote about Apple's subscriptions the previous week but two Mm -hmm. i wrote a big article blasting spotify a year ago for basically you know taking advantage of the open internet of podcasting and then sort of like shutting down the possibilities of that open internet and if they changed course then i i felt like
0: it was it behooved me to acknowledge that and talk about that so that's what i did and that's what we're going to do it sounds like a plan. Um, it's interesting. They certainly wouldn't be the first company to come along and take advantage of the openness of something, close it. Um, what's so interesting is the fact that they've decided to actually tack back towards the open side of things, and I think it's commendable.
1: Yeah, so just to back up, and we'll put a link to the, the episode a year ago where where we mm. talked about this. But podcasting is, you know, it's an open ecosystem in that Anyone can put up a podcast anywhere, just like anyone can put up a web page. Same sort of idea. But the way podcasts work is you don't usually visit a web page and listen to a podcast. I mean, some people do listen, visit our web page listen to the podcast. But by and large, you use a podcast player. And the podcast player knows that a new podcast is available because it pulls a special kind of website, a very special kind of web address, I should say. That's called an RSS. That's called RSS. Uh, real real Simple Syndication, I think is what it is. And basically, it ch- it'll check that RSS feed. It'll see if it's updated. If it's updated, it'll pull in what's new. And in the case of a podcast, when there's something new, it will also include in the RSS feed a link to a media file, and then your podcast player can pull down that media file or can stream it direct from where it's hosted, and now you're listening to a podcast. That's why, even though Exponent is a little more irregular now, we're going for about once a month, <laughs> so we have to squeeze this in. We're squeezing this mm-hmm. one in just in time to get it on April. It's okay. You don't need to keep checking the Exponent website to see if we posted. Your podcast player will check for you, and lo and behold, you're going to wake up on Friday morning and say, hey, look, Exponent recorded a podcast. Great, now I can listen to it
0: good old rss uh, this may be dating me a little bit but this used to be the primary way that i would get news on the internet um yep. i would subscribe to a whole bunch of websites that i really liked back in the day mac and mac rumors and like a few of the regular mac news sites that is back yeah i know back yeah i remember Mac in uh, and and i'd be like ah every time something would get updated it would get pushed and you you'd get the alert and you'd know to go read the article um which was fun. And I, I think RSS just kind of decreased in popularity with the rise of, um, I mean, obviously, uh, Facebook and Twitter. But also, um, there was still a bunch of us rusted on. And it was Google News or Google News Reader. They they There was an RSS reader that was super popular and Google decided to deprecate it. And that felt like it was kind of the end of RSS as a way of reading regular articles. But like you say, it it lives on... It lives on in the podcast ecosystem. It's been critical for enabling podcast players. Keep in mind the Google reader point, because we should come mm. back to that, because I think
1: it's it's actually a very interesting point in the context of this discussion. So we'll, we'll, let's sort of you know stick a pin in it. I, I mm. There's so
0: many corporate ease I want to go here. Let's put
1: it in the parking lot. Let's,
0: <laughs> yep. let's table it for now.
1: Uh, and then we'll double click on it later.
0: I, I feel like I'm back in management consulting, Ben. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you're the one that knows these terms better than I yeah, do. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't, give, don't use them anymore. Give me a lit- it's like
0: a big red flag. <laughs> uh,
1: you're a magic consultant. Gross. Uh so oh, anyhow. thanks, Ben. <laughs> hey, we're both MBAs. We have
0: we yeah. we, yeah, we, yeah, we I are know, we're right? living
1: in very large glass houses. Mm. Uh so anyhow, uh yes, so RSS is the foundation of podcasting. That's why you can have any number of of podcast players, right? And they all just sort of work. It, it, mm. And again, the analogy is the web. You have different browsers, etc. And, and you can just go to any website and there's no gatekeepers. There's no one in the way. People think of iTunes as a gatekeeper, but iTunes contrary to most popular opinion does not host podcasts. All it is is a directory. And so it's basically saying, oh, here's a list of all the podcasts who have mm. submitted their information to us. And in that directory is just, oh, there's exponent. You want exponent? Go to exponent.com feed. That's that's all iTunes does. It doesn't host our files. It doesn't do anything else. All it does is sort of have a list of what's available and what's not. And there's there's various independent, you know, directories. The iTunes is sort of the biggest one, but it's sort of always been this this open ecosystem that has let anyone sort of
0: enter from any direction and it's been great. It has. It's kind of funny the extent to which the open infrastructure was created around RSS and this kind of model. And then Apple did a huge service to the podcast ecosystem by just dropping it into iTunes, then subsequently dropping it into the iPhone. But in a sense, it's kind of not really paid very much attention to it. And that was enough for the podcast ecosystem to explode, I guess in a similar kind of way, as it was enough for the open web to explode. These open standards had, uh, enough weight-bearing ability to them that it just allowed these these ecosystems, these awesome open ecosystems to explode. But inevitably, you get enough interesting material out there and people start to like, okay, well, this is a way in which it can be improved. And one of the ways in which we can improve it and make money is by closing it and making some stuff proprietary. Which is what makes the podcast development over time very interesting. Because
1: the, the reality is, is that things centralize for a reason. They centralize mm. because it becomes a better way to experience it, right? The reason Google came to prominence in the case of the web is because the web was overwhelming, right? There's mm. so much stuff out there. You needed a way to navigate it, and Google came along and was such a better way to navigate that it basically became the front door of the internet. Now, it's kind of a weird front door, and the reason why this analogy falls apart when you talk about things like antitrust is because you're talking about a front door for something that has no walls, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you can you can enter the web anywhere you want to. People enter via Google because they choose to, because it's such a more convenient way to operate. And that's why, you know, all these sort of like saying that Google is a monopoly, like they have monopoly on what, on the web? Like, well, no, you can get to the web anywhere you want. And mm-hmm. it's why I always, you know, push back on these companies that are like Google ought to use, you know, ought to put use our, our, our information in their results. So they, you know, especially their, their box breakouts, whatever it might be. And it's like people could type your service. They could type yelp.com in their browser and go there. It's like mm-hmm. this entitlement to Google putting you up top <laughs> instead of just doing your own user acquisition and acquiring users on your own. Like, like, it, it, again, I'm sympathetic. To the fact that most people use Google, but it just structurally speaking, it's very important to understand that people go there because it makes the entire thing easier to use. No one's forcing them to go there.
0: And not to say that Google were entirely angels in the way they dealt with Yelp, but we don't need to relitigate that. Right. I guess what's Absolutely. what's most interesting in in the Google instance is, for the most part, they're an example of a large organization that's that's taken advantage of the open web and generally, not always, but generally, kind of continued to support open standards. There was not a there was not an embrace and extend type mentality or closing it off like you see with. Uh, some of the other companies when they take advantage of open technologies?
1: Well, for, from a user perspective, right? I mean, because they, yeah. they would do stuff like AMP, for example, and then they would open source yeah. and say, hey, it's open source. And like, in reality, all that meant is that all these web pages were now in the Google domain, which, mm. by the way, now is first party tracking. And now this, convenient definition of tracking from Apple that is, if it's first party, it doesn't count. Sure, it works great for Google, who also pays Apple billions of dollars, but we're not going to talk about collusion and duopolies. And Google does a lot on the advertising Mm. side in particular that is not open at all. And it's very Mm -hmm. abusive and it gives them total control. But I do grant and agree from a user perspective, it's open and and, and it and they, it just works because in a world of abundance, in a world where there's just so many things, having a centralized
0: place to go it is a better user experience. Mm, agreed. I guess what's uh, uh, my expectation uh, I share with you around what was going to happen with podcasts? Like it, it felt like there was a big opportunity to centralize and further improve this. The 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 Google model for advertisements on the web seem to be a pretty good model for how the podcast ecosystem could evolve and having centralized control such that you controlled and hosted the the content and therefore you could learn about the users and you could then tailor the advertisements to the users would lend itself well to um, a player like Spotify or perhaps Apple coming along and centralizing it and taking what was an open standard and uh, embracing and extending it. Well, we we'll get to Spotify in a moment, but I think mm. this is what's so interesting about podcasting is
1: that i the iTunes directory effectively solved the centralization problem. Like that was like the from a user experience perspective. User, which, yes, from a user perspective, which is yes. that. That was one place to go to find all the podcasts in the mm-hmm. world. If you the only way you could find podcasts was to go to every single individual site mm-hmm. and you had to discover them yourselves, like well, that's very a very daunting problem. And there would have always been an opportunity, like the Google opportunity, mm-hmm. to come in and centralize and, and to pull everything again, not by force or fiat or 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 lot, you know locking people in, but by being a better experience, by yeah. being a place to go. And that's exactly what the iTunes directory was. And and what's so interesting is Apple's motivation for the iTunes directory, you have to go back to, I think it was 2005, was they wanted to sell more iPods, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was like what's another way to drive more usage of iPods? We want people to buy them more, have more usage for them. Oh wow, there's mm-hmm. this new audio format that's been around for yeah. 4 or 5 years or 5 or 6 years that they they call they're calling them podcasts because everyone listens to them on iPods. We should embrace this. And mm-hmm. so they embraced it, but but what's so critical, it's so critical is the they did it, they embraced it because they wanted to sell more iPods. And the reason that matters is that's why they only took centralization halfway. So all they did was create that centralized experience because all they cared about was the user experience because they wanted a superior user experience such that people would buy more iPods. And and it worked. And what's so interesting about that is because they got there first, because they created that centralized user experience first and then stopped, they kind of won the space, Mm. but the space never... It, it, it was stunted. It, it kind of never grew beyond that because there was a centralized player, but the centralized player wasn't doing anything, right? And so imagine if Google had one search and became a centralized player and never monetized. That's yeah. basically what happened. Right. And, and people think, oh, that sounds great. Google with no monetization. But it's like, if the web had never monetized, there is a certain angle where it would feel like the independent podcast ecosystem and it's so great and it's all it is is like you know amateurs and people that just want to have mm. a good go of it and it's an interesting what if scenario just mm-hmm. you know where the the web actually ends up being much less commercial and all those old powerpoint slides about people spend so much time on the internet but you can't make any money there <laughs> was actually the reality but but it's important to know that the fact google was a commercial entity that needed to make money a certain way and obviously they're mm-hmm. going to make money using what they built was It kind of went hand in hand with being that centralized player. And that didn't happen in podcasting because Apple had another way to make money. And the podcast centralization was just sort of a a means to a completely different end.
0: The the comparison with the web and just Google versus Apple in this sense and necessity being the mother of invention, Google had to find a way of monetizing. And so they built the advertising uh, platform that then spits off money now. Um, versus Apple just having another way of making money and therefore not really taking it any further is really interesting. And I, I, there is an aspect of the indie nature of um, the indie nature of the podcast ecosystem that does feel different to the web. And I must confess, I kind of enjoy it. But I I, I think we should explore this uh, further. This this stunted. I mean, th- the obvious result is it's been a stunted way of podcasters making money on the internet right like if you wanted to do advertising for example you as an independent podcaster had to go around and do it yourself and compared to a centralized platform like with google which they run with their ad network where you just do bids and they make the market and obviously there's so much more scale to the market um it's 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 a very different experience as a podcast creator and much harder to make money
1: Right, which is why you end up with, you know, everyone knows the podcast advertisers, right? Like Squarespace, Mm. right? I'm sure we've covered this before, but, you know, why is Squarespace a podcast advertiser? Well, what is the Squarespace product? You go to Squarespace, you set up a website, and you buy a domain name. And once you've set up that website and bought a domain name, you're going to pay for that website and that domain name. Mm. Basically until you die, right? Especially if you connect your email to it and all these sorts of things like, oh, you have your own custom domain. You're very special. And it's like you're paying, you know, what, mm. $10, 15 $20 a year, however much it is. But your lifetime value is actually huge, right? Mm. And so which means that that it is worth a lot to a company like Squarespace to acquire a user. Their their, their, their customer acquisition costs can be higher than normal. Well, how the issue with podcasting is it's a lot of work. You have to get someone to say your ad. They're gonna like read it themselves usually. It's not like you can pre-record it and insert it. someone has to read your ad. You have to follow up with them. You have to make sure they read it correctly. like you have to put in a code that you have to have to wait to, to mm. track that code when they put the code on your website and give a discount. and it's a it's a really manual process. It's worth it. If you have a high LTV product, right? And so you get things like Squarespace, you get things like underwear subscription <laughs> start uh, startups, right? You get things like Casper mattresses. Why? Because it's like a $2,000 purchase or $1,500 or $500, well, I do much yep. it is. But you get basically things that have high customer value that can bear high customer acquisition costs. And, and it works great for them, though, because there's very little competition, right? right. There's not that many people that that want to do advertising. That's why you hear the same one sort of a, a, again and again. And it's kind of charming, right? It's always was always the same advertisers forever. And it kind of fit the charming nature of indie podcasting. Mm. But it's important to note, and you're going to hear people that 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 long for this world and wish you could have that world forever. It was a world that only a few people were ever going to win in right? Like the, you you had to be, be there relatively early, be relatively large, have a certain number of, because again, it's not worth the effort for one of these advertisers unless you have tens of thousands of subscribers. That's the only reason they're going to bother. It's a lot of work for them, right? So that whole idea of the web where you can be small and there's lots of ways to mm. monetize in different ways was always going to be shut off. So you had this weird scenario where the high end, the total market was always going to be stunted, even as the only ones that would ever succeed had to be relatively large. Again, had to be a large fish in a small yep. pond.
0: Yeah, yeah. there's this big deadweight loss because the cost right. the cost associated with uh, you being a smaller advertiser or you being a smaller podcaster, like a smaller advertiser who couldn't bear the cost of going around and doing all the things that you were talking about, they just wouldn't bother. And the smaller podcaster who only had a, a smaller audience or was starting out, they wouldn't be worth it for most advertisers to go around and like, like you had to get above a certain threshold on both sides. And so there's this big chunk in the middle of both podcasters and advertisers that were cut out. And yeah, there's this charming nature to podcasting for sure. And you see in a podcast directory, there are plenty of podcasts started, but I wonder how many of them haven't received the love and attention they otherwise would have gotten because people couldn't make it compete with their day job. No, for sure. For sure. And people have tried to
1: solve this, right? To figure out if we can get like targeted advertising. And you know, This is why I defended targeted advertising because it, it really works out for the little guy. Like Mm. whether it be the small advertiser or the small publisher because when you have someone in the middle being a market maker, Mm. that increase in efficiency – it, it brings more people on board. It makes it makes sort of that that market available to more people in, in a productive way, and it makes the market larger as a whole because it brings out way more advertisers. The market's larger, and it can reach down to smaller publishers. Like there's real benefits to this sort of market making capacity, mm-hmm. where you know where Facebook makes a market yeah. not for Procter and Gamble. They don't have any prom advertising, right? But they make a market for the Shopify merchant who mm-hmm. has a little shop and can actually reach people that that, that, that they want to reach because you know this. I've always defended the model because when the, the whole internet is your addressable market, that's awesome. It mm-hmm. makes the possibility of all these new businesses, but you need a way to find the people that care, right? It's a huge, it's billions of people. How do you find the few hundred thousand that actually care about your product? That's exactly what Facebook does for products. And that's why it is, I, I believe both economically beneficial broadly, but also a key component in the internet reaching its potential, which is people mm-hmm. being able to do new things, focus on niches, reaching people with services and products that would never have been possible previously, and, and you know, kind of unleashing this new wave of entrepreneurialism and and, and that I think is going to be critical to sort of like the economy of the future.
0: Totally agree. Um, what's interesting though, and you bring up Facebook at an opportune time is normally when a company gets to this point of being in a position of market making, it has this tendency to, uh, close the ecosystem and try and capture an outsized amount of value. Right. And so what happened here with podcasting was people tried to do the targeted stuff, right? And so
1: they would do things like insert ads on download, where basically the best they could do would be like okay this IP address is from you mm-hmm. know San Francisco so we're going to put an ad from someone in San Francisco in there and it like it was it was pretty rough right cuz that's mm-hmm. the problem with openness is you kind of don't re- it's it's open you don't really know mm-hmm. who is who who's what etc cetera, etc cetera. and so if if this conundrum was ever going to be solved it needed to be the centralized player because the centralized player is the one in position to gather the data, to gather the information and to make the market. Right. And and, and so Google centralized the web and then they made a market for advertising. Okay. Facebook centralized sort of like uh, communication and contacts and in your social social network. And then they made a market for advertising. Right. Apple centralized podcasting and then sold some iPods. <laughs> and then sold some iPods, right? And again, there's absolutely acknowledge the real benefits of them not caring about about podcasts at all. Right. Like, like, but it's worth noting that there was something lost along the way, and th- there was some bad things that were lost, and there's mm. but there's also some good things that were lost. But all that is context uh, uh, for for Spotify and what Spotify was sort of trying to accomplish.
0: And so I think it's probably, at this point, just worth touching on what they announced two years ago, because this felt like the the serious play to become the centralized player at this point. So two years
1: ago, they bought Anchor, which is this this service to make your own podcasts. Mm. They bought Giblet Media, which made podcasts, and they bought something. I can't remember what the other thing was. Uh, but it was very interesting. It actually took a while to sort of tease out exactly what they were going to do. And actually, some mm. things have only become clear in the last few months. So it's actually a very useful time right now to sort of go over what their broader strategy is. But but in the context of our conversation to date is they wanted to basically seize the centralized position from Apple mm. and take it to themselves, not, not just so that they could, you know, obviously people using Spotify, but then they wanted to follow through with the steps that Apple never did, which is to mm. actually make a market. A- and and by making a market, that means having a critical mass of of listeners on their platform such that they can understand users, can deliver personalized advertisements, and thus increase the sort of market for advertisers. A- and, and ideally, in an idealized outcome, increase the total sort of value of podcasting in general by virtue of there being a way for way more advertisers to enter the market and then benefit publishers because you can be a smaller publisher or a larger publisher and it's way more, it's way easier to monetize Mm. and you can monetize it at completely different levels than were possible previously. And ideally that'd be a benefit to users because there'd be that many more podcasts to listen to that many more people who could dedicate their time to doing it, et cetera, et cetera.
0: It's also interesting in the context of Spotify's existing business, which obviously is super popular, but the fundamental economics of their suppliers, such that they have a monopoly over the files and are almost oligopolistic in the structure, and I mean the the record labels, the, the fundamental economics of their core business aren't that fantastic. Whereas you think about if they're able to pull this off, it almost is… I mean, I'm not going to say that the music part of their business ends up being a loss leader for the podcast side of their business, but being a market maker as Google and as Facebook has demonstrated and doing it it on top of podcasts where they don't have this um, concentration of suppliers – and the content is is evergreen. It's it's like it makes a ton of sense. And they and they have these relationships with these customers. They know who the customers are. They can gather more details. You have to log in to use Spotify. They're just well positioned to do it. And it it looks like an extremely attractive market compared to the business that they're already in. Yeah, that, that's absolutely right. And, and I think
1: the the main thing that I've realized over the last two years is the path to Spotify. To my mind, I still think is. Is exactly what you said. It's b- b- making a market, right, and then taking their skim by by virtue of having made that market. Just like Google, just like Facebook. Mm-hmm. I don't know that podcast advertising is ever going to be that large, mm-hmm. but there is a substantial opportunity. Like the PowerPoint slides today, show amount of time devoted to listening to podcasts, and then amount of monetization, going, amount of advertising going to podcasts, and it's wildly out of whack, right? There's mm-hmm. a there's a lot of of money to to be made, not by taking it from someone else, but by literally creating creating opportunities that were not there
0: previously and the nature of podcasting too versus versus the written web like people have this deep like typically a deeply focused and concentrated and like they build a relationship up with the the folks that they listen to like you dear listener might feel towards us like people are deeply concentrated these ads are highly effective
1: well it's interesting because i think well we'll get to that, get, get to that in a moment because mm. there's a there's a couple other things going on one other thing I have come to realize is that Spotify, it's not just an ad play. Like they've said this again and again that the more people mm. are using the Spotify app, the more they listen to podcasts, the more they convert to being paying subscribers, right? Because mm. Spotify has an ad supported tier. And so, uh, you know, like I think a little more than half the user base uses Spotify for free and they hear ads while listening to music. And of course, they listen to podcasts, but they're more likely to convert. And so Spotify can make money coming and going. They can make money because they'll continue to advertise in podcasts, but they can also make money from subscriptions. So they do sort of have a it's interesting because kind of like Apple had this other way, other reason to to, mm. to do podcasts. Spotify has another reason too, but it it very much is focused on more centralization, right? Getting people on our app even more. That's number one. Number two. The real market making opportunity—it's important to note—is not having podcast hosts read more ads because that has all the problems of getting the person to do it, tracking, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. The real opportunity, and Spotify has developed this, is where you're inserting pre-recorded ads, but you're delivering them on a customized basis. Because the key, and this is actually super important to to how we all tie into Spotify, which is that Spotify does not deliver you an MP3 player like most podcast players do. The, they don't do it for music, they don't do it for for whatever. The way pot, the way Spotify works is they stream everything. So if you don't have, I mean you can download, I think files to your device mm. if you explicitly it's like Netflix if you want to. But by and large, when you listen to something on Spotify, it's coming streaming down from Spotify servers and you're sort of listening to it as it streams down. And so what that means is the way podcasts work on Spotify is they didn't build an alternate infrastructure on RSS to sit alongside their music streaming service, they plugged podcasts into their music streaming service. And so what you do as a podcaster is you go to Spotify and you put in your feed, you have to voluntarily add it, add it to the service. And then spot you, you basically agree to an agreement that Spotify says, okay, we're going to suck in all your files and then we're going to stream them to people on Spotify. And they're, they'll tell you right up front, this is not working the way most Open podcast players work. You are sending your files into our closed universe where we can where we can stream stuff. So that, that that's how it works. But the reason yep. this is very powerful is if you want to be a market maker for advertising and you want to deliver personalized ads at scale, well, inserting ads on download based on IP addresses is just is, is it's pathetic, mm-hmm. right? Compared mm-hmm. to Spotify, which to your point, oh, that's James Allworth. He's in Singapore. He's, uh, you know, male between the ages of, uh, I won't give it away, 10 mm-hmm, to 80, right? Mm-hmm. Or whatever it might be, right? <laughs> and, 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 uh, whatever information they have about you. And then as you're listening, they can insert an ad and run an auction in real time saying, mm-hmm. we have this sort of listener that's, you know, we have an ad inventory available they can run an auction just like google or facebook runs an auction they're not selling your data they're selling the opportunity to to advertise against a certain set of you know criteria and then they can insert an ad for you and so you and i could be listening to the exact same podcast or free Mm -hmm. music service at the same time we could come up to a commercial break and we will hear completely different ads because they'll be customized to us and basically it's exactly what facebook does but doing it for audio but you but you have to have Spotify's infrastructure and you have to stream to do it. Mm. It, it, That would never work with the way that podcasts work traditionally.
0: I I chuckled partway through you telling that story, the part where you were like, oh, you had to agree to... Uh, for them to ingest the podcast. And I chuckled a little bit because I don't think either of us ever did that originally with Exponent, but I think someone... Someone else uh, put an, it in, yep. Another dear listener who was like desperate to get Exponent on Spotify did it for us. Yeah, <laughs> they did. And,
1: and which is why we, we actually had to reach out to take it
0: down. Um, the the other thing that that is that bears mentioning is Spotify is paying music labels every time one of those songs stream. Whereas because podcasts are open and the podcaster is agreeing to allow Spotify to host it whereas every every like a song lasts four minutes and they're paying a record label for a play of a song and that kind of sucks especially on the free tier they are getting to play half hour hour long sometimes two hour long podcasts and not having to not having to pay the podcaster on the basis of playing because it's it's a very again as we mentioned earlier the economics of the market are totally different so not only do they have this potential massive revenue upside they also get a massive cost Cost saving from from uh, steering listeners in this direction. So I have to partially correct you and partially say I don't know. Mm. Uh, which is
1: Spotify does not pay per play. Nobody pays per play, and it's interesting because Apple put out this this letter to artists suggesting they pay per play, and they don't. It was it was very disingenuous. Mm. Uh, the way it works is there's a pool of money. And that uh-huh. pool in the pool money is determined by how much subscribers pay, right? Because yes. the problem, the problem if a subscriber's paying $10 a month and you paid per play and someone like literally left Spotify playing 24-7, then like Spotify could potentially lose money on the subscriber, uh, right?
0: T- totally. Sorry, so, Sorry. you're no, right.
1: No, no, like, no, it's, no I, 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 it's actually very helpful because I think this is actually an interesting concept because I think mm. you're, you're half right. So yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the problem is that the amount that the labels paid is based on their share of plays. Yes. Which is uh so so to your point, if more time and more plays are spent on non-label Plug content. Cuts. Yeah. Exactly. Now it's unclear exactly how that works. Like there was the the there was a contract between Sony and Spotify from like 10 years ago that was leaked. And that's the only time we've ever seen this. And back then mm-hmm. Spotify had way lower bargaining power mm-hmm. and they're much weaker. They needed the labels much more. And in that case, I think that the labels took a share. Like they were entitled to a share of everything, right? Even if it wasn't label content, like it was. It was super. It was super unfair contract to be honest. Uh, I think the way it is today is exactly what you said, where labels get a share of label content, they don't get a share of other shares or whatever. But Mm -hmm. I don't know for sure. Mm. But but anyhow. But I think. But broadly speaking, I'm ninety five percent. You're sure in principle, which is that more plays on non label content helps Spotify's costs. I don't know the specifics of it, but just to, just to sneak in, it's not it, mm. it, there is no paper, paper play going on, right? Yes, 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 yes. Uh,
0: I, otherwise, I'm sitting there as Mr. Record Label Executive with with a, a little cluster of computers That's playing right. all, my play on all day, day long. Play. That's
1: right, <laughs> and, and I think the per play stuff is actually really interesting because mm. some artists complain about this, and some artist groups like demanding paper play. And mm. I think it's – and you can understand why – the way it was actually have come around is they, they don't want paper play either because – you at, you want more plays, right? And mm. you want to you want Spotify incentivized to get people playing more songs right. because the more people listen to an artist and the more mesh they are, the more they can be monetized elsewhere, whether that be yep. through concerts or, or or through merchandise or all the other sort of channels that people talk about. And you're dealing in a world of abundance. In a world of abundance, it doesn't make sense to price on an incremental basis, mm-hmm. uh, you, and and that's the brilliance of streaming. Is streaming. You looked at the Napster model. It's like, well, instead of trying to charge scarce prices for abundant goods, what if we embraced abundance and said, oh, you want music? Here's all the music in the world, right? Mm. Like so, it actually it, it actually makes a lot of economic sense why there is not, and never
0: will be, sort of paper play, right? Yeah, create a big pot and then divide the pot up based on how important you were in driving people into the pot in the first place,
1: right? Exactly, and th- this was the th- part of the reason that made Apple's letter sort of disingenuous. Was one, they said oh, one of our values is artists should get paid for their, right. they they basically strongly suggested they were paper play, and they compared their pay their rate to Spotify on a pay-per-play basis. The problem is that Spotify has the free tier and the advertising tier. By definition, the pay-per-play, like the the contribution of of those folks is way lower than the subscribers, right? Mm. But that's the thing. We're dealing with abundance, which means Spotify's absolute number Is much higher than Apple's. So Apple's trying to make this comparison to Spotify on a per-play basis, but in a world where one of the variables is zero or infinite, choose whatever (laughs) one you want, it's the absolute number that matters more. And Mm. Spotify pays in absolutely more money, again, because their average revenue per subscriber is smaller, but they bring in way, 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 way more listeners, And, and because of that tier. And if Apple were to have a free tier, they're Average would go down, but their total payments would go up. And it, the fact they choose not to is an Apple decision. It's it's not, mm. and they're trying to spin it as, like,
0: oh, this is why we're better. And so I guess th- this brings it back nicely to why we left Spotify, right? Like it, <laughs> 30, 30 minutes into the
1: conversation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is all recap of our previous podcast. we terrible terrible. Mm. Uh, well, yeah, because the issue is that we, like, uh, so Shatekri wanted to have a paid podcast, which is you. Pay for checkery and you can listen to a podcast. I guess it's kind of self-explanatory.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But uh, the way that paid podcasts work, right, is for email. It's straightforward, right? You pay for a newsletter. There's a paywall on the website. You can access the website, and you get an email. And and I can mm-hmm. specify who gets that email. Now, is it leaky? Can people forward the email? Yes, but you know, there's real value less. in an independent creator being able to reach people where they are, right? And, mm-hmm. and even if that means giving up a little on, on piracy. And and the way that works in RSS is. If, if you have a public RSS feed, because RSS doesn't know any better, it's just a dumb protocol, anyone could access your your, your, your paid content. And so mm-hmm. the way it works is every single person that is a subscriber has a customized RSS feed. So there are, that URL is unique to them. And so mm-hmm. you put that into your player, and you it will pull down your content, but only you pull down the content on that feed. This doesn't work in a world where you add one feed to Spotify and Spotify pulls down the content for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Spotify's model presumes one feed for a huge number of listeners. And that's why it sort of it, it sat nicely along the open podcast ecosystem as long as all the podcasts were free. Yeah. But once you get into a world where like Dithering or Stratekeri are open podcasts, they're not free podcasts. They're open in that. It, we're using the open protocol. You can take that URL. You can plug it in anywhere. But you have to pay to get your own personal mm-hmm. URL. And that would just never work for Spotify. And so I, I came to you. Obviously, you're, you, know, you you and I do a free podcast. We want more people to listen. It makes sense mm-hmm. to be in Spotify. And you sort, I sort of laid out my business case, which is, look, the way I make money in the long run is people pay me for podcasts and newsletters or whatever it might be. If people are using Spotify to listen to our content, that means they are using a podcast player that I ultimately cannot convert them to being a paid customer. Mm -hmm. I would rather, if they're big Exponent fans, I would rather they go use Apple Podcasts or they go use Overcast or some other podcast player so that in the long run, I have the ability to convert them to something that fits my model. You generously agreed with me, and that's why Exponent was was not on Spotify.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's be the change you want to see in the world, right? Like, I think one of the things that's incredible has been over the last 10 years has been the rise of independent creators able to do things like this. And uh, my business model is mostly subsidizing it through a day job, but yours is not. And if I, if I love the fact that people can do this and I want to see more of this and we have some small piece of bargaining power, but also... In the podcast, but also the general principle—like, of course, it makes sense. I appreciate you, James. Uh <laughs> <laughs> well, anyhow. So, so that's why we took it off Spotify. Is Spotify? It's like, look,
1: I I didn't begrudge Spotify. Like like I use a term like analyst Ben thinks their Mm. podcast plays really smart. Apple's completely neglected the space and Spotify also done other things. Like they took Joe Rogan exclusively and they have some exclusive podcasts again, which is a violation of the spirit of open podcasting, but like Mm. you need to throw some sharp elbows. If you're going to displace Apple. Right. And, and so again, I, I understood their strategy. I respected it. Taking my stuff off of Spotify is not because I was angry at Spotify. It's like, look, you, you, that's your business strategy. I get it. It makes sense. It hurts my business. So I'm gonna do a different strategy. I'm gonna go in a sort of a, a different direction.
0: Anyhow, all that's background.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah.
0: And it's interesting. Like it seems like Apple appears as of last week to have finally woken up to the potential of podcasts and is starting to put a little bit of um a little bit of muscle behind it and uh, in tr- in true apple style they've kind of ignored the possibility of advertising yep yep um and they've gone they've kind of taken their experience working with the app store where they do they do act as a market maker but not between uh advertisers and eyeballs but rather developers or creators of content and, eye- and eyeballs. Um, it's, it's, it's more like viewing podcasts in the same light as they view apps on the App Store where uh, Apple's going to make it really easy for end users to subscribe to podcasts. Apple takes a cut being a market maker in this sense and um, the money flows from the users to the podcast creators. But it's there's obviously a little bit more detail in it than just that.
1: Well, I think that the analogy to the app store is right, and it, it's interesting because app the the opportunity that follows from centralization is first and foremost advertising. Right, that that's hmm. that's absolutely the case. And to your point, you know, I was saying that Apple needs to do this for years and years and years, and also saying they're probably not going to do it. But you know, imagine if they had really seized this opportunity, you know six or seven years ago, they would be absolutely dominant right now. They would Mm. completely own podcasts. Spotify would have no way to sort of enter the market. And the reason, you know, that disparity, like, and this is the thing that people that are, you know, long for the, oh, the cute indie world of podcasting and are very (laughs) upset that it's going away. The problem is when you see those charts on those slides where here's the amount of attention paid to this medium and here's Mm. the monetization and that gap is very, very wide. And that's it's not it's not sustainable it's not something that's going to last in in the long run again right. whether you even if you think and it's very fair to say podcasting is going to get worse just like the web got worse i would i think you're probably overstating things a bit but you could make that argument it's a fair argument there's a difference between saying something's good and bad versus whether it's going to happen yeah. or not right and, and i think we talked about this you know, a couple podcasts ago like the internet change things, right? Whether that's a good or a bad thing is a separate question. Right. And that this this change was going to come for podcasts at some mm-hmm. point and Apple could have seized it and they just didn't. They, they had 15 years to seize it and they didn't lift a finger.
0: I really like the point about uh, people conflate normative with the fact, uh, with the inevitability of something. And uh, and in fact, in some ways, I, I almost think that when they take this normative lens to it, it blinds them to the possibility because they don't want it to happen. Yep. And then they don't want to acknowledge it's going to happen. And therefore, they kind of stick their head in the sand. And the, the ones that end up winning are the ones like, well, this is going to happen like it or not. It might as well be me who takes advantage of it. And at least that way, if I take advantage of it, I have some control in the way this all plays out. We're going to come
1: back to the thing we put an arrow in, which was the Google Reader thing. So we'll get, mm. we're will we almost there. And it actually applies to, to this directly. Mm. So quick overview of what's happened. So Apple says they're going to now do podcast subscriptions, right? So it's like, you're right. They're finally waking up. But they're waking up to, like, the tiniest fraction of the market, mm. right? Because the real market is advertising. That's the market mm-hmm. that exists. It's always going to be the larger market. And Apple's like, yeah, that's kind of dirty, although apparently not dirty enough for the app store advertising, which they now get advantage themselves in. But that's either here or there. They They are going to have podcast subscriptions. But in Apple fashion, it's only on Apple. So if you subscribe to a podcast on Apple Podcasts, you can't listen to it in Overcast. You can't listen to it in Spotify. You can't listen to it on Google Podcasts. You can't listen to it on Android at all. And it's Apple's customer. Now, they put in legal language that says, we're just your agent. Yet that same agreement, is—it's it's so insulting the way they do this. We're just your agent. It's your customer. Yet you are barred from even attempting to figure out who your customer is. If you accidentally acquire any information about your customers, you are legally required to immediately get rid of it, blah, 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 blah. Like, it's Apple's customer. The, 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 the person sends Apple money. Apple gives you 70%, takes 30%. After that customer's been with you a year, changes to 85, 15. But you don't know who they are. It's just it's just a throw money over the wall. So you throw content over the wall, and money comes back. and And it's... Yeah, it is, that, that that is what it is.
0: It's interesting because, uh, in light of so much of the criticism that is leveled at Facebook, is how it's bad for creators, and I think in some respects that's being conflated with, uh, the advertising model is fundamentally bad for creators. And what's interesting is I think in this sense, Apple choosing to take a completely different square of the two-by-two where this isn't an advertising-based model. It's actually a subscription-based model, which should align incentives a little bit more. It's still possible to create a subscription, uh, i.e. a non-advertising-based model that in many respects is hostile to creators.
1: Yeah, (laughs) well, I mean... That's Apple for you. I mean, it, it's it's interesting because it's the same as the App Store. It's the way it works in the App Store. But the, what makes it redeemable in my mind, and this is what trying to make the point last week, it, it's as bad as it sounds. At least there's choice, right? And mm. you could see the fact that oh okay, wait, Apple's going to make it really easy. They have credit cards on file that are never mm-hmm. you know, always going to be up to date. Like and, and that's fine. Because I can still do it my way, right? I can still, people can still add the URL. They can come to the website, they can buy there. You know, is it, it going to be less smooth than Apple's sort of the way it works for Apple? Way yeah, less yeah, for sure. But at least there's an alternative. And, mm-hmm. and it draws a real stark contrast to the App Store, which again has all the same limitations. But the problem is, app developers don't have a choice. They are yeah. locked into this model. They're, they can't find out about their subscribers. They, it, it, Apple is going to be their agent whether they want to or not, which is mm. fine. Again, I don't like it,
0: but that's fine. I can do something else. And, and And I guess at this point, I will say in Apple's defense, like their priority stack has always been clear. Like they've always put a priority on the end user. And, I don't know. Like, I guess if I'm subscribing to some podcast and I have the, I'm paying the money, if I had the choice between would I really want the email address to go to the podcaster or not, if I'm subscribing through the app store? Eh, on balance, probably not. Like, yep. it, it, like, so, and, and uh, so I get it. Like, they have their principal stack and to their credit, they're very, they are, they stick to it. Um, I'm not necessarily to so their mixed credit.
1: Mixed credit, yeah. But well, yes. mixed. And yeah, I think you made a good point though, which is I can understand the user attractiveness of the Apple model. I absolutely mm-hmm. Apple's reliable. You know where to go for refunds. You know, like you know that you're not going to get bugged about about stuff. Like yeah. so many publications and creators have spoiled the the pond for yeah. everybody else. They make it hard totally. to cancel. They bug you with marketing emails. They sell your information. Yeah. I totally get it from a user yeah. perspective. And, right. and and again which is why I'm I'm glad Apple's in the market offering this. And mm-hmm. I might, I don't know, maybe, who knows, like dithering, like maybe we'll end up putting an Apple podcast because I can understand there's users that prefer it. I'm just saying the reason why I'm okay with it is because I still have the opportunity to do it my mm-hmm. way.
0: That's a perfectly uh, logically coherent approach. Right? Per- perfectly Perfectly consistent. But it, it does bring us very neatly to what Spotify announced this week. Well,
1: so this is where what the what Spotify thing is really interesting. So Spotify had two big announcements. So number one – well, they had three announcements. We'll get to the third one maybe a little bit. The first one, though, is they offer now-paid podcasts via Anchor, their sort of podcast creation service. And this, in many respects, is similar to Apple. You go there, and now your podcast will be on Spotify, right? And you can see – and they're competing, as you would expect, with Apple via lower rates uh, and, and things along those lines. And obviously, they they can't compete as well because they can't sell within the Spotify app because Apple is leveraging their control of the app store into control of the podcast market. At least they're trying to. Seems a little uh, anti-competitive to me, but uh, I'm I'm not I'm not a I'm not a judge. But they but you know so if it ended there, like okay, that makes sense. Doing the same thing Apple is. You know, you can have you can pay podcasts on Spotify. Maybe podcasters will have. Their podcasts on Anchor and Spotify and also on Apple. And it'll Mm -hmm. just be sort of the market's bifurcating. It's kind of a shame. Podcasts used to be an open ecosystem. Now it's splitting into the two giants, but well, that's what happens. But that's not what happened. If you add your, if you sell a subscription podcast on Anchor, it is in Spotify, but they also give you private RSS feeds or give each of your subscribers private RSS feeds, which means that you can listen to an Anchor paid podcast in Overcast, or you can listen to it in Apple Podcasts, or you can listen to it anywhere because subscription podcasts on Anchor are open, they're not free, but they're open. Which I thought was really quite surprising. Like, actually, of all the parts of this announcement, this is arguably the most surprising one because Spotify wants everyone to be in Spotify, but they're sort of making the
0: bet, well, you know. So much friction. People probably aren't going to take advantage of it, but it is super creator friendly. So why not do it?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, the the, the, yeah, it's creator friendly. That's exactly what it is, right? Of course, Spotify wants you in Spotify, but they also want creators. They they, they want to be friendly to creators.
0: It's the third one, though, that I find most interesting and most compelling, and especially understanding the nature of these creators that, that represented by folks like you that have built this uh, relationship independently with their customer and want to sell them a newsletter, but then want to sell them a podcast or some kind of audio subscription feed. And uh, Spotify's decision to support OAuth to allow uh, someone like you to sell a podcast subscription and then import and log in and authenticate in Spotify and listen to it there I think is just such an incredibly smart decision on their part and such an easy thing for them to have, for, for them to have not done. It's a whole bunch of work and it doesn't necessarily make them any money, but, but a super creator friendly. And two, it encourages people. Uh, like I, I love this move, both obviously from the creative perspective, but also from the podcast, uh, from the, from the Spotify's perspective, because it, firmly entrenches Spotify in the job to be done of, I want to listen to something. It doesn't matter where I got it from. I'm just going to go to Spotify and I'm going to listen to it there.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's it's a big surprise, right? I mean, so Mm. I I did hear about this before the announcement because it's interesting because they were, you know, I wrote this last year. It's like, yeah, this, I, like. I, I respect Spotify's approach. It doesn't fit for me. So I'm going to pull my stuff's not going to be available there. And they—they're basically their pitch was: look, we respect your your approach, your business model. We think there's going to be lots of people like you, and if we actually want to be the place that people listen to stuff, mm. we're we have a big problem because we're not going to have folks like you, you. on there. Yeah, and, and and so and so yeah, this is exactly what they, they did. They're like, okay, we don't have to own the customer in this case. We can't support arbitrary RSS feeds because that doesn't fit with our system, right? And their system exists again. For a good reason. If they're going to make this market-making bit work on the advertising side, it needs to be their streaming infrastructure. So they're like, okay, we can't support RSS per se. What is another open standard that will fit with the openness that's important to you that will make sense? And yeah, it's OAuth, right? Where I can control my subscriber list link to, to to your Spotify account and basically say yeah this person's a subscriber or they're not and and you can listen to tochecker or dithering in Spotify and that means that Spotify it's okay if people use Spotify from my perspective and so now they can listen to exponent in Spotify because I I have no problem with folks using Spotify as their podcast player because it's it's a place that I know I can make money in the long run
0: yeah and and so it, it's again it's like, this is being the change you want to see in the world. This is not just you. This is like every other creator who who wants to build a business, reaching an audience independently. And you're seeing this and this touches very neatly with the topic of uh, uh, th- that we touched on with Substack, like this model of more and more people are going around the traditional New York Times or whatever it might be. And they're going to build that audience directly. And this enables another prong of that approach, which is to be able to make money from the audio, not just the text, not just the newsletter. It's like uh, you can make money on podcasts, uh, subscribing, creating a relationship directly with your listener and Spotify supporting that. And I think that's awesome.
1: So here's the question. And this is where we finally come back to the Google Reader question, Mm. which is someone pushed back on my article quite a bit this week where I was, you know, I was celebrating this. I think this is great. I'm like, I I Mm -hmm. think everyone else should do it. I think Facebook should have a lot for Facebook groups, right? Where Facebook has great, the the group function is really powerful and really great. Wouldn't it be great if I could leverage that myself, right? Without Mm -hmm. having to be on the Facebook platform. I'm never going to use the Facebook subscription service. Why would Mm -hmm. I want to give Facebook my customers? That's madness, Mm -hmm. right? But if they want to open up their platform so I can use it, that's great imagine youtube doing the same sort of thing like this would be sort of incredible and i think it would be to their benefit in the long run because they can do what they're really good at which is serve video and 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 creators don't have to be constrained to one format or one medium they can go across different ones which i think is going to you're going to see more and more of and so i'm i'm very pleased about this i think it's great it's great for me i think it's great for spotify i think it's great for the world and mm. yeah so someone coming back to me, who's hmm. uh, you know in, in the regular podcast ecosystem, he's like, I, "I don't like it. I think you're too enthusiastic." Hmm. And his argument was that, "Look, spot as you've written, Spotify wants to take over the world. They want like they want to be the Facebook of podcasts." And the problem with that is everyone likes aggregators at the beginning because they really do provide a service. But what happens when they when they win? And then uh, who's to say they're going to withdraw this service or sort of kick you off? And I think that's where the Google Reader analogy is interesting. Google Reader was was great. It, it, it synced. That was the big thing because there was no syncing across devices. And so when mobile came along, if you use Google Reader, it would sync to every sort of RSS reader on your phone or, or, or in the cloud or, or on your on your desktop. And then Google – and so everyone went into, onto Google Reader and then Google Reader and then Google killed it. And they killed it because, they, of course, Google would rather be on the web and go, see advertisements and easier to track. And, like, RSS was always a terrible fit for Google's business model. Mm-hmm. And and it kind of killed – it helped kill blogging, and it helped kill that entire universe. Yes, RSS Reader, new ones came along, new services, but it's never sort of been what it was. And, and that's basically his pushback, which is like, yeah, mm. it, everything's great now, but what about the long run?
0: I don't buy it. And the reason I don't buy it is because I think, uh, and and I'm going to use some bold language, but I think this is uh, what's happening here is the dawn of a new era, which is so much of the power had shifted to who controlled the demand side. And I think this new era is going to see the control shift back to the suppliers who have an outsized amount of control and, or, or an outsized impact. Like if, I'm happy to go to Facebook or Google Reader whatever like to get commodity stuff and if it doesn't exist no worries but there's there's only one exponent there's only one Joe Rogan there's only one of all these things that I really care about and if Spotify thinks that they can aggregate all the demand and then cut it off I think as long as as long as the suppliers don't capitulate as part of that and I think m- many of them Now, with an understanding of the economics of the business and the importance of owning the customer relationship, my sense is the suppliers aren't going to capitulate. They're going to have other ways of reaching those end customers. And Spotify in doing this would end up uh, cutting off its nose to spite its face because the suppliers… Like if, if if there's a podcast that I really love, or if there's a if there's a creator that I really love, especially if I get used to listening to that person, if it suddenly disappears from an app, I, it's not like I'm going to stop listening to it. I will do what I need to do to to stay connected with that and. I think it would be a mistake for an aggregator to go up against a highly differentiated content consumer. And I think this is what we're seeing with Substack and Spotify doing this, Apple now doing subscriptions to podcasts. There's a recognition that these, like you're seeing people leave the New York Times and like go out and and do their own thing. There are these highly differentiated uh, content creators and they are gonna be kings in the future. So I agree with you and i do think this person's wrong but i think they're they're
1: they're half right i think they're right about apple this critique i think absolutely applies to apple i would be very nervous about going onto apple's platform where i don't know what my subscribers are i don't have any control all i get is money coming in and then that's all i have is the money i don't have the list right what 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 makes this approach by spotify very amenable to me is they're my customers all the way through right now if you go mm-hmm. to anchor you're paying anchor they like it's it's yep. a bit more like the apple they, they, they say you'll be able to email your subscribers but yeah. it's but in this case it's my credit card it's my stripe account it's my email address the, the maybe people don't understand oh well, this person knows how Auth works but like they are signing in to strategy if they mm-hmm. want access to this content which means if spotify takes that away okay my subscribers are going to have to go find another app to listen, but they still can. They, they're still my subscribers, right? Yeah. And so that's number one. Number two, like to your point, this is a lot of work, right? They're they're investing pretty heavily in a way that it wouldn't really – like what what's to gain? What's to gain from cutting off folks like me in the long run? It's very hard to see why you would make the investment now only to pull it back in the right. future. I, yeah. Whereas Apple – I'm very worried about Apple closing off Apple Podcasts to adding external feeds, right? Do you think Apple likes it that you can subscribe with Spotify and listen to an Apple Podcasts? Do you think they like it that I can own my own customers and people can listen to Apple Podcasts? I'm quite worried they're going to shut it off and say, nope, if you want to use Apple Podcasts, you pay us. Because that's what they do in the App Store. Like They're the ones I think we should be worried about. They're not creator-friendly at all. They are we will make a market and you'll come like they, it's funny it's not quite an agribusiness business cuz it's like a it, what is agribusiness? business and they're the most hardcore about it of anyone cuz there's no there's no sort of escape
0: yeah i i mean look i have i have some sympathy f- i have more sympathy for apple in the app store than i think you do um uh i think that was never an open ecosystem apple created it from scratch on their platform there are security arguments there are review requirements like there are all kinds of things that make the app store different from an open podcast ecosystem and plus there's just too much competition for podcasts for i mean i certainly see why given the experience of some creators on apple particularly app creators why you have that fear I think it's less likely to happen, and I just don't think the move would be defensible, particularly given the amount of scrutiny they're attracting at the moment.
1: Right, but I just I think it's much more likely that Apple does this than than Spotify does. So, so that's that's number one. Why, why, why I'm okay with mm. Spotify. Number two, though, is it goes to what I said before: change is coming, right? Mm. And, and that's not again. And I'm not saying it's good or bad, but but podcasting staying in this idyllic world where there was never going to be someone trying to centralize it and build an a- advertising business. And there was never going to be this sort it's of fight. Never for, gonna last. It wasn't going to last. And yeah. you know what? I feel great about my impact on podcasting. I feel great mm. that we pulled it out of Spotify, that we mm. put our stake in the ground, that no, you're we. I'm only going to be in this business if I can own my customers and I can control it. And I'm pretty damn pleased that Spotify agreed. And and yeah. and, and, and you know what? If they're going to meet me halfway... I'm gonna meet them halfway, and yeah. is there risk? Yes, life is risky. That's the way it goes. But I'm not gonna sit in this world and say, no, I don't, I don't want to stay the way it is yeah. forever. No, like, like the, to your point, it's going in a better direction today than it was two days ago, and that makes me happy. And I'm going yeah. to, I'm gonna buy in. I'm gonna support it, and I'm gonna put We're, we're gonna put X wanted back on Spotify.
0: It's so funny. I, I, I think this was a, a lesson I learned. Uh, working with my mentor, Clay Christensen. Compromise is often seen as a dirty word, but so often is the case that when done properly and done in good faith, it actually ends up you getting to a better place than you would if you just take a dogmatic point of view and say my way or the highway. And I feel like what they've done here, and especially that that quote by the CTO around, we're going to meet creators on their terms, not expect them to meet us on ours. And I mean, that's probably a little bit of an exaggeration. There's probably, it is probably a bit of a meat in the middle, but it feels like this meat in the middle is landing us in a really good spot for the podcast ecosystem. And I'm excited to see what happens next. Right. And the compromise is they're still not going to support Private RSS feeds, right? Like, mm. which is which is possible. I mean, Google
1: did this hacky workaround because they're a streaming. Google Podcast is streaming also, and you can add private RSS feeds to Google, and I'm sure they're just brute forcing on the back end. Like Spotify said, no. Like our struct, like our system is our system. But how about if we did it this way? It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. okay, that, that 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 works for me. It going to be work on my end too, to, to you know to make this work. But yeah, it, it 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 is a compromise. I and 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 that's fine. Like when we're it's moving directionally in a better place the, than it was before, and a better place than Apple wants to take it, frankly. And and I'm I'm happy to get on board with that.
0: Yeah, me
1: too. Oh, and, and the other thing, to be honest, and this is I think where I also differ with with this person that I was talking to mm. is. Like I think there's real benefits to podcast doing market making, right? To, to pulling all this stuff together, and, and the totality of their their what they're doing has become clear. Uh, they bought their own podcast host, Megaphone, which is one of the largest ones. Where it's interesting because on Megaphone they are going to do the insert on download advertising bits. Mm. but it works better for Spotify because they have the massive user base within Spotify where they can like they're targeting and understanding. Like like those whatever they insert on download is gonna the CPMs will gonna be way lower, but their understanding of the market and ability to create a market because that's mm. in conjunction with their streaming insertion right. is gonna be it's gonna be better. It's gonna be more attractive, you know. And and the big thing is advertisers instead of targeting shows, they'll be able to target audiences, right? And right. and that's you know, just much more compelling from an advertiser perspective. And I think I th- again. It could be good or bad. You can argue the web's been good or bad, but making the making a market and fixing this monetization hole, I don't think is necessarily the worst thing in the world for podcasts generally. Even if it's not so good for the former big fish in a small sea.
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, I mean, I think this this debate is almost a bit like a Roshkosh test. I mean, generally speaking. Uh, the economics of supply and demand and the ideas behind capitalism, I think are good things. The problem is when it gets perverted and it gets perverted when someone who is in a position of control starts to use it more for their own ends, as opposed to what's best for the market. And the thing that I like about this is this feels distinct from some other aggregator plays where Spotify is trying to take both sides into account uh the, what's good for both sides and not trying to extort one side because they're in a position where they can.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, aggregators can lead to bad places. So it, it's fair to go in with sort of your eyes open. Yeah, but from, sure. But again, from my perspective, just because someone's trying to be an aggregator doesn't mean I'm going to reject them. The other thing to remember is, I mean, Facebook and Twitter and these platforms, they get the reputation of being bad for independent creators. They're amazing for independent creators because as long as you don't get locked into them, the fact that, you know, if, you, if, you're, if your marketing is word of mouth, guess what's great? If all your listeners get a microphone, right? <laughs> or get a, get a you know, way to broadcast what they think. That's awesome. So I think the whole Facebook's bad for publishers because you're thinking of traditional publishers. Sure, that might be true. But for independent folks, it's great. Again, yeah. just don't use the Facebook subscription right. service. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> keep your customers. They come bearing gifts. Yeah, <laughs> That's right. That's right. Say this, Spotify, right? I mean, the anger anger thing is not a bad deal. I think if you're serious, like this integration- do it yourself. Do it yourself. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, own the customer relationship. Like if you're serious about creating a business as an independent creator, the most important thing you can do is own the customer relationship.
1: And you know what? I'm actually, and this is the thing I think people don't quite get. I would, I'd be happy with a podcast service for Apple. Imagine if Apple did this and they said, okay, but- you have to have a sign-up form, and you have to use Apple's payment system. I'd be okay with that, as long mm-hmm. as it's my customer. I'm I'm happy to give Apple a 30% fee or 50% fee to be my payment processor. Mm-hmm. Let me own the customer. And I think people get mm-hmm. so hung up on the fee part when the real damage – or not damage, but the real – problem with Apple's approach is you don't own the customer. I'm fine mm-hmm. to pay Apple like a finder's fee or whatever they want to charge or call it and say, okay, fine. If someone signs up at Apple, Apple's gonna do the payments and they're gonna take 30%, but it's my customer. That I'd be yep. fine with that. But that's that's not how Apple that's not how Apple rules. Anyhow, uh that was a lot of background uh for uh for a, a very brief announcement, but now you know.
0: Yeah. Uh well uh hello to folks who are listening on Spotify.
1: Yeah exponent is now on Spotify
0: and and this time we agree to it. That's
1: right. <laughs> sounds good. Well, we got our ample podcast in James. Uh this you was just, my bat signal. I wanted to I wanted yeah. to talk 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 this all through. So uh I look forward to uh talking to you whenever the next need arises.
0: Yeah, sounds good,
1: man. Now I feel compelled. I feel like we got to put our more, more, more podcast now we have our new Spotify listeners.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know. Reinvigorated.